0: Welcome to Stuff We've Seen. This is Jim. With me is Teal. We're back after a little bit of a break, and we're better than ever. Actually, I won't even say that. I don't know if we're better than ever. We're
1: just we're back. <laughs> Definitely not better. Than ever. We're just as good as always. Yeah, maybe not even as good this time. Because <laughs> you know, because what's the saying? Be- better than most, not as good as some. Better than nothing at all. <laughs> that's how this episode is going to go yeah we took a break and and part of the reason we've been on a break for a few weeks is i have to say it has not been a very exciting summer of movies <laughs> a lot of disappointments
0: we did see a few of them uh we saw a few of these disappointments but you know
1: I, no, yeah we saw quite a few of them you saw a few more than i did i didn't i, I didn't brave the indiana jones yeah, uh, let's see. I left the drive-in before they played Haunted Mansion. I saw
0: Haunted Mansion by the way.
1: I know you did, but it wasn't worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there are some summer movies that you saw and uh But you loved Haunted Mansion, right? (laughs) No. I I like the ride.
0: That's probably why my family and I went and saw the movie, because we enjoy the ride and all the little trappings.
1: And was the the film filled with all the little trappings?
0: It was filled with a real murky digital overlay. I don't know what
1: it was supposed to do, but it just bothered me a little bit. Oh, was it supposed to make it look dark and scary, and it actually just made it murky? I feel like it was somebody's
0: idea of thinking maybe this looks like it's film if we do this or something. I'm not
1: sure. Yeah, I've I've seen this happening recently, <laughs> and I I've there's been a few movies here and there where I'm just like, you know, I it just looks. It just does not look good. It's distracting uh, from the movie. You were talking uh, before we got on air about a movie that's dubbed and how that makes it harder to watch. But I feel that way with some of this digital cinematography. I find it distracting. Uh, And then when I watch a movie that I'm like, wait a minute, was this shot on digital or film? Uh, Then I know that it's good digital. (laughs) I, I mean, you know, if I can't really tell... Uh, then I feel like the movie's doing something great. But I, I saw a movie recently called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Yes, which is shot in film. It's shot on 16 millimeter film, and it has such an amazing look. And they didn't have to add grain to it. They It it, it just has a really unique look to it. Because I haven't seen a feature on 16 millimeter film in a year. Well, I guess uh, Mark Jenkin, but...
0: Well, you know what? You'd be surprised. I I could call out a few movies. One was Mother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. shot on Super 16, um, which is essentially 16 millimeter, but the gate, it's opened up a little bit, and they film over. Yeah,
1: because it's only single perf, right?
0: Yeah, right. And then, of course, then they don't need to really worry about the editing, because that's just – they'll take it and then they'll digitize it.
1: Right, right, right. And so
0: you're not going to really scratch the negative or anything. And then that was also um, the case, and I'm going to botch the name. And I don't think you saw it. It's a great movie. It's called like um, Never, Sometimes, Always, and it's about a girl who has to leave rural oh, Pennsylvania yes. to get an abortion. It has a really good look to it, and it's shot in Super 16.
1: For some reason, I didn't think you liked that movie.
0: No, no, it's really... it's it, I had some oh. issues because it it's like a road trip, and uh, it has some of those
1: plot traps where it, right. it, it's going to be hard for them. It gets kind of episodic and...
0: Yeah, and, and obstacles that shouldn't even get in their way to screw things up a little bit. So there's a few issues. Okay, it never rarely sometimes... The lead performance is so incredible; uh, she should have really been nominated for an Oscar that year. And so,
1: oh, kinda... I wanted to see that, and I ended up not watching it because I thought you didn't like it. You, what are you? What are you liking? Um, Goodfellas? I no, I thought you said uh, I'm all right, Spider. <laughs> no, you're not you all do right. The same thing, though. You do, you do the same thing. You'll you'll not watch a movie because I hate it. I think that you were
0: you were kind of caught up in some of the text i might have sent and i did try to mention it Uh, once but you know i was like he's not gonna watch it anyway so why do i want to boost this movie he's never gonna watch it i mean it's a real downer of a film my god but
1: okay yeah i sometimes so those downer movies i gotta give people a little warning uh, right because you know people like happy songs (laughs) exactly hey but you know what you know what wasn't shot in
0: 16 millimeter Oppenheimer, but that was shot on seventy, an IMAX seventy, and you finally saw that.
1: I did. I saw Oppenheimer. I saw it uh, on a science center giant curved screen. I'd never seen a normal movie on one of those. It's not. I mean, it's not just a curved screen. It's like it's like a globe, and so it was all enveloping. Like I, you know, the edges of the frame were at the edges of my periphery. And so I couldn't uh I realized early on I couldn't pay attention to framing
0: really right plus also I I didn't know I I kind of forgot to tell you because you hadn't been in such a huge theater and I've been to those that you need to sit further back because it's hard to see the edges if you're too close it's like a, a sweet spot where you can see everything
1: versus like a row up and you can't yeah, that you need to sit farther back. Yeah, so I sat in the middle. It was fine. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I think that, I, I don't know, I had some issues with the movie. Uh, part of it, I think, is it was initially just distracting for the first 10 or 15 minutes, that uh, the viewing experience. So it was a little hard to, I was so overwhelmed by that that it was a little hard to connect to the beginning. It's sort of like we talked about before, after you had seen it, that I know a lot of the story... I've been to Los Alamos. I've, you know, been through the. I I, I know it well. And the movie didn't add a lot to that, except all this political stuff. The whole Robert Downey Jr. storyline was a whole angle of it that I hadn't seen before. But then at the same time, I was kind of like, why is the movie about this part of the story? You know, I like. Is that the most interesting? This no, it isn't. That's experience? ironic
0: that, that they focused on something that always gets kind of glossed over because it's not that big a deal, but they made it into a big deal.
1: Yeah, they made it into a big deal. And I I thought that was an interesting take for the movie. I guess it provides a framing device for the skipping around and time kind of thing. But I do think uh, it's Nolan's best screenplay in terms of dialogue. I did not cringe throughout it the way I do with some of his other movies, and the Trinity test is cool. Uh, so it's a cool movie. I kind of don't understand the success, though. I mean, it's close to seven hundred and fifty million or something global. I think honestly, I honestly, if it hadn't hitched its uh,
0: wagon to Barbie, it would not yeah. have done as well. It would have, I think, still done good because people, you know, like like Dunkirk did pretty well. Because uh, people think, right. oh, Nolan, I got to go see it on the big screen. And I think that people forget that the reason why Tenant just did so-so, and it wasn't that great, it was that it, it was that it was COVID. It was COVID, and people really weren't going back to the theater. And a lot of theaters weren't open. Like the IMAX that I saw Oppenheimer in was not open for a really long time uh, uh, during COVID. So the thing is, is that people, I think, were like, I want to be able to say I did a Barbenheimer. I saw both movies. Yeah. And that they would feel left out of the conversation had they not. Plus, a lot of people like this movie and were telling people, my God, you got to see this Oppenheimer on the big screen. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, and I understand that. I I understand people thinking it's amazing. I I don't begrudge anyone that. Uh, It's just interesting that it's an R-rated adult drama that is a, a blockbuster. I don't know when the last time that has happened is. But, you know, you make an important point about Barbenheimer because I, I think that one thing movies do really well is these mass shared cultural experiences. And... Barbenheimer was the first one of those we've had. And it's almost like people are wanting it. Like, is it going to be Indiana Jones? Is it going to be Flash? Is it going to be Mission Impossible? And it, 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 none of those movies broke through, but Barbenheimer did as this mass cultural event where, like, people want to be able to Instagram or TikTok the movie they're going to. Yeah. And be part of that uh, whole social media swarm. Uh, party whatever it is everybody wants to be invited to that and you know I saw Barbie for a second time at a uh, drive-in in the middle of nowhere in Kansas and I think there was no, not even another movie theater within 50 miles wow. it's just this drive-in and uh, they were showing Barbie and Haunted Mansion and there and this was two or three weeks after the movie had come out and and there were people dressed up in pink dresses <laughs> and you know they they were still you know it being part of that cultural moment by dressing up by whatever you know but celebrating barbie over and over again it was clearly uh not the first time a lot of these people had been at the drive-in for barbie wow yeah so it it really is a mass cultural event that yeah, and so I guess that's the success of of Oppenheimer is uh, is it's so tied into that, and yeah, once once everyone's going to see it, you want to go see it. I feel the same way. Like if everyone had been saying Flash is really cool, I would have gone out to see it. Well, yeah, because you know we I think we talked at the beginning of the summer. There was no way, no way you were going to see Barbie. No, I had I had not planned on seeing Barbie. I I, I figured I would see Barbie if my kids dragged me to it. And uh, but mostly they would go with their friends, so I wouldn't have to.
0: Yeah, and I thought, oh, I'm going to totally escape Barbie because I have boys; they don't want to see that. But nope, they wanted to see it. And my wife, suddenly, I didn't know how much she wanted to see Barbie, but you know she did. And then you know, <laughs> so we we actually did the Barbenheimer, as I said in the last episode. But uh, at any rate, it's funny. We we have a listener, um, John Ford, the legend not that legend not the one that's been <laughs> dead for years he wouldn't be listening unless there's an afterlife no 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 this is our good good old pal john ford listener for years and he sent in a message that's right kids you can send in a message too. At uh
1: yeah please send in messages we like that jim and
0: teal at gmail.com or uh jim and teal at stuff we've you know one of those it- it'll get you there and he uh i think he messaged us on instagram you could do that too we're on there stuff yeah, we've seen we're on instagram and he said that he saw oppenheimer and he he had like he had a take on it or something and he was going to write he was going to send it in he was going to like do a write up and send it in and we were going to post it but he never did um so
1: okay well i do look forward to seeing that if he uh, produces it at some point. I'm very curious.
0: Yeah, I don't want to shame you, John Ford, but shame on you for not sending it in. I want to encourage him.
1: I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not into shaming. I want to inspire and encourage and nurture his desires to express his opinions on film. Well, no, I want to shame him if he doesn't send it to us. <laughs> See, oh. um. Well, then give him a little more time before this <laughs> shaming campaign begins. Okay.
0: Well, because now I'm going to shame him some more. No. Um, is that he also threw out that he said, hey, you know, the next time you're doing a show, maybe you could talk about this movie that I watched on Netflix. They cloned Tyrone. And of course, Anytime a listener gives us a recommendation or, hey, you know, would like us to talk about something, we will certainly do our best to accommodate the request. And since there's absolutely nothing happening out there in movie land right now, and there's strikes (laughs) and whatnots, and there's just a dearth of things to watch, uh, we said, okay, let's watch this uh, They Cloned Tyrone movie.
1: Well, and I was planning on watching it anyway.
0: I had it in my queue, but it was one of those where once there was nothing else to watch, I would probably watch it. And I'm then I try to find things to watch so I don't have to watch it. But eventually, I was going to
1: get there, you know. Based on the very little I knew, that there was a sci-fi angle to this, which usually gets me interested. Although I'm annoyed by clones, as a, I think it's an overused sci-fi trope. Oh yeah, like in what, like in what movie? What? Well, you said it's an overused trope. Give me, give me, a, give me a, a, a film. Uh, let's see. There was that Schwarzenegger one, which I, the name I can't remember. There was that multiplicity.
0: <laughs> Those are like 20 years
1: old. Yeah, and it's been going around since then. <laughs> okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. So, <laughs> anyhow. Uh, so, I knew there was a sci-fi angle on this, and I've somehow had it in my head that it had something in common with uh, uh, "Sorry to bother you." That it was some kind, uh, yeah. Uh, that it, I think I had seen that in a review or something. That it was similar to some, uh, "Sorry to bother you." So I wanted to see it, and then John Ford said, "Check it out," and so I, I jumped on that opportunity.
0: Oh, that's right. And John Ford said that the reason why he thought we should watch it is because he he felt there was some similarities to
1: "Under the Silver Lake." Um, Which was a film that uh, we've talked about. I can see that similar. You know, okay. You can? This movie has a lot of similarities to a lot of other movies.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of like unique
1: parts to it, but it does have a lot of similarities to other movies. Well, I'll start off with what I liked about this movie.
0: Okay. (laughs) Do we need to give it a quick overview for those?
1: Yeah, let's my... give a quick overview. Okay. Yeah. We'll go to it. You gonna you gonna do it or should <laughs> no, I?
0: No, no. I I want to hear it from you.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh first of all, let me start off by saying we got to go into spoilers here.
0: We do. I don't think so because like like let if we if we refer- if, if it comes out through things, but let's not give away the plot of the
1: movie. Okay. So, uh it takes place in a neighborhood called I think the Glen which is sort of a depressed inner city neighborhood where everyone's kind of stuck there. And it focuses on this. Now I can't, I keep thinking his name's Tyrone, but it's not. No, it's Fontaine. It's Fontaine. Yes. So it focuses on Fontaine who's a sort of street level drug dealer and his, he's having kind of a day. And at the end of the day, he gets shot. This is about 15 minutes into the film. Not a big spoiler. And then he wakes up again. He's back on the streets. Back on the streets. And this sets off a, a series of very strange events that he and Jamie Foxx plays a pimp. Uh, and there's this woman, Yo-Yo, who's one of the prostitutes. The three of them are sort of figuring out this mystery of what's going on and what nefarious forces are at work in their neighborhood. and <laughs> uh, they unco- they go about uncovering this kind of sci-fi conspiracy. And so the movie has kind of a little bit of a black exploitation vibe towards the beginning, and then it it sort of gets into referencing a lot of different sci fi films. Uh, some of it is amusing, some of it's uh, kind of fun and clever. Some of it is not very fun and clever. Uh, it, I found the movie really uneven overall and uh, I think one issue to talk about right away because we already set this up is uh, their desire to make the cinematography look like film and the total failure to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you picked up on our setup from earlier. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, but the last thing here is that I did enjoy the performances. I liked these three lead characters. Uh, They were fun. Jamie Foxx was great, I thought, and and I enjoyed their characters. That was the part I liked about the movie.
0: Fontaine is played by John Boyega. Everybody knows played Finn in the Star Wars movies. I think that the problem I had with his performance is he spends an awful lot of time really, really concentrating on that American accent. He does a good job, but I think that that's the focus of his performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Jamie Foxx, I mean, the guy's a really good actor and, and yeah. he's great as Slick Charles. And then his his uh, prostitute, and buddy, Tayona Paris, plays yo-yo. Uh, yeah. She's fantastic. And the two
1: of them have really great chemistry. Yeah. Well, there, there was stuff Jamie Foxx is doing when he's in the background, when the other two are talking, and his facial expressions are so good. Uh, you know what? I actually picked up on that a couple times, and I
0: think it was fun that <laughs> you mentioned that um so yeah you know what they're likable even the just even John Boyega there's nothing wrong with him just saying it, his performance isn't up to the other two and the three of them are interesting when they go on sort of their Nancy Drew slash Hardy Boys uh quest to find out what's happening but you know I'm I don't think we need to give anything away if you've ever seen the movie Dark City this is a reboot essentially this movie is like Dark City but like in an inner city but that's the best I could describe it because I felt like it was Fairly accurate rip-off of Dark City.
1: It is pretty much a reboot of Dark City uh, or an homage or a rip-off. I'm not sure what, you know, not really a rip-off because I think it's... Uh, Reimagining. The, uh, yeah, the telling is different enough, but it does introduce this race concept.
0: That's where I think the Boots Riley, Sorry to Bother You kind of comes in, is that yes. there's definitely a satire
1: going on. Yeah, and, and it's making some commentary, and so I think... I think the most interesting thing in this movie, it spends about five minutes exploring. And this was my disappointment with the movie is I felt like the script had a lot of opportunities that it didn't take. And the biggest one for me is uh, the question of free will. There's this conspiracy going on and there's a question about whether you are sort of given a lot in life and forced to live it and kind of stuck in it or whether you have free will to move away and do something else with your life and there's basically one or two scenes of this question coming up and to me it's a really interesting sci-fi it's like that's the whole reason you do a sci-fi concept it's so that you can explore those ideas Um, And free will is interesting and clones are, you know, there's stuff that can be interesting about this. And my big disappointment uh, is that the climax of the movie relies on violence, not smarts. Mm. And I really wanted these characters to outsmart the villains. And instead, they just punched them, basically. (laughs) Right? I mean, so... i thought because it's sci-fi there would be some kind of twist and there is a little bit of a twist they they do
0: okay i i don't think come on now you don't need to give away everything I will say, though, though I'm not giving away. Well, you're I don't you're think getting I can too give- much into the weeds on the ending. Let the people find okay. out if they do. Come on. I have a real you back in okay. because I want to talk about the really thing that you hit on earlier about the film <laughs> stock issue. But I will say that for anybody that's like, well, I don't know if they were really referencing Dark City. They put Kiefer Sutherland in it in a very similar role. <laughs> it was clearly an homage going on to Dark City and everything you just talked about, this free will aspect. They did that in Dark City, but they did it much better yes. and nobody
1: got punched. Um, <laughs> So yes, they did. nobody got punched at the end. Uh, so I think <laughs> so. Go see Dark City. Uh, also, another complaint about Kiefer Sutherland is he shows up and explains the whole movie in a monologue. Yeah, and I blame. Look at the writing, right? So it was directed by. This I blame guy. the writing on this. I, uh, the writing is totally to blame for this screenplay basically having a lot of the Netflix problems. Uh, it's a, it's a little flabby. It's it's not as tight as it should be. It's too long.
0: I want to give you an opportunity to to talk about those points, and I also want you to talk about the cinematography. But let me let me set this up. First of all, it's directed by this guy Joel Taylor. And he wrote Transformers Rise of the Beasts and Creed 2. So there's your credits. And he's the (laughs) co-writer of this with a guy named Tony Rettenmeyer. My guess is that Tony submitted the script and then this guy Jewel Taylor had to keep rewriting it because there's probably so much studio interference of you got to hit this beat and that beat and it's produced to death, okay? And those same producers, they make a choice of where... Well, you got to shoot this on digital, right? This is where we always get into this. We'll Wait, see do you who- know
1: who produced this movie? Is it a Netflix production, or did Netflix acquire it? Okay, so here's a couple things. This is for what I know. All right. First of all, we
0: had some back-and-forth dialogue, Till and I, with these movies when I was watching it, because he, he had a problem with the cinematography. And, of course... I I picked up on this right away. There's a few things, right? It has this grain, and people at first might think, oh, was this shot on like 16 millimeter? No, it was not. And I knew right away that it was digital. And part I knew is because the aspect ratio is this thing that Netflix does. Two to one, that's their preferred ratio. And I know people are like, well, what's that? Well, you can either shoot at scope, which is 2.35 to one. That's that super widescreen. Or... Used to be the industry standard one eight five or one eight seven to one, and that used to fill up the screen, kind of fills up your TV. For whatever the reason, Netflix likes it at two to one, which is kind of a classic digital ratio. Because
1: I, you know, my TV is sixteen nine. Yeah, I know. Well, most people's TVs are sixteen nine. Yeah. Right. So on the two to one, I get little tiny black bars at the top and bottom. It's a different ratio that kind of lends itself to shooting a lot of medium shots.
0: Which I found that this movie yes, it does. is really very medium shot. There's not like a lot of compositions. And then on the digital thing. So there's a, a series that's on Amazon and it's called Swarm. And it is a social satire on the way social media and people's obsession. But it's done through the lens of a, a very dark comedy about somebody so obsessed, they become a serial killer. And it's a woman who becomes a serial killer. Okay. And yet you root for her the entire time and you just hate the people she encounters with so you can't wait till she kills them. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> and it's by Donald Glover and he takes real incidents that happened and he blows them out of proportion and puts them in this fictional setting. The thing is Donald Glover and his other directors like he he wrote and directed and also had some other uh, people too is right. they shoot it at 133 and they shot it with 16 millimeter, they shot it with ectochrome, 16 millimeter. I think oh, they shot wow. some on 35 chrome. Like, it's got all of these formats, and the thing is gorgeous, and it sets a mood, and this thing is so well composed. It's really well thought out, and it keeps you interested beyond just the story because the filmmaking involved is so incredible. And I thought of right. that because... It just seems like a poor excuse to say, well, Netflix won't let you shoot it. And I think that any of these studios won't let you shoot film if you don't give a good reason. And this person wanted to create a look and probably didn't know how. So, they put this right. digital grain overlay. And I'm sure there are plenty of the producers and everybody's like, oh, wow, it looks just like 16 millimeter. But it really looks like a fake out. The The grains have like little colors that
1: are almost like digital fuzz. Yes, it, it it just looks like there's a layer of murk on top. Of well, it. that's the problem too. Is that it's shot
0: really poorly? I think that the lighting is poor, and everything looks very murky, and
1: it's not engaging to look at when you're straining to see what's happening. That's not black exploitation. Well, and then on top of it, everything is a medium shot, and I understand you have three characters. You often want to get all three of them in frame, but. Everything is a medium shot, and so there, there really isn't um, storytelling through pictures, uh, where you're really constructing using cinematic grammar. You're constructing a scene. This is just shots of people talking without you know scratching
0: up the film, etc., to make it look old or something. If you want to see how do you shoot something to look a little bit like a exploitation film from the seventies, watch Jackie Brown. Yeah. Because he does, Tarantino doesn't shoot it uh, wide, super wide screen. He shoots it 185 and a lot of times very f- standard shots. Like he kind of shoots it the way you might have shot a black exploitation right. film. And, you know, if they really want to do is try to get some old 35 millimeter film, like some really like shitty stock or something and shoot it on that. Then, then
1: you would have achieved that. <laughs> That. Right, but even but even without the the stock, I mean, yes, it would have looked so much nicer on film. Uh, you know, they sh- really should have shot it on 16. But it, it it just doesn't have the uh it doesn't have the crazy editing of black exploitation. Um
0: uh, my wife, is, I don't know why she was into this rabbit hole, but she's into wanting to watch films about the troubles in Ireland. Yeah. Maybe she read a book or something. And the first one she started watching and I had seen before, um, but it's Paul Greengrass's Bloody Sunday. Yes. And what really impressed me at the time, and I re rewatching it with her, I was really impressed. She was like, when I told her that the movie came, I was like, wow, this movie is like 20 years old now. She goes, well, what do you mean? It's from the 70s. I'm like, what? No, it's from 2003. And she's like, what? She couldn't believe that it was.
1: Oh, that it was. Yeah
0: because the way he shot the film with 16mm and handheld and the and the, and kind of they sort of drained the color everything looks like it's sort of like a newsreel footage from the event it, it's right. so spot on that you are immersed and think you're back in 1972 and i like when filmmakers are trying to capture something and go the extra step and this is not happening here and uh,
1: they clone Tyrone okay something that really annoyed me about they clone Tyrone <laughs> It is that they're cigarette burns
0: like as if we like dug this out of some film thing. Yeah, but that it's fake.
1: It feels fake. And I also don't know what the point was aesthetically, right? If you're going to if you're going to frame and shoot and cut the movie in a retro style, that's one thing. But this is shot like a sitcom and with then this murky grain and cigarette burn slapped on top of it and i don't know aesthetically what that means or how that changes my experience in a meaningful way i I don't know (laughs) i think what it shows you is is that on these streaming services and channels the
0: production companies behind this are filled with a lot of young people that are making decisions and they think that they have some kind of Angle on what it takes to get a film, a low-budget film made, and they get some people and they like, they prop up these people like this Jewel Taylor as these great talents, and then they they just overproduce it to death, and they do these things and think, wow, look at how clever we are, and look at how great this is, and it's gonna, and you know, a lot of younger people <laughs> may buy it, and you know, we're not trying to like uh, you know pee all over this movie because you know poor. John Ford recommended it. But, you know, you're now playing in the big leagues with uh, Teal and I. We're not just going to sit back and pretend that we like something we didn't, but we're at least telling you why we didn't like it, which is weird stuff that we are nitpicking about.
1: And here we aren't. (laughs) I mean, I could keep going if we really wanted to get into the weeds on the plot, but I'm not going to. I'll just say that the script has a lot of issues. uh, And that I still, though, I didn't hate the movie. I, uh, you know, I don't think it's like I can understand somebody (laughs) somebody watching it and enjoying it. I don't know about loving it, but like it's, if, if you haven't seen dark city, uh, you you know, I I can understand. No, I think you make a point. If, if if people haven't seen a lot of movies, then right. That's what that's what I'm. You're, you're muted again. You must be muting yourself because... I'm muting myself by accident. Like computer keeps bumping into me. It's attacking. It's sentient. It's sentient.
0: And I want to stop right now and explore that. How is, your, how is your computer attacking you? It's sitting on my lap. Oh, that doesn't sound like the right way to do a podcast. I have a laptop. I, I understand the very definition
1: is laptop, and you can't put it on a table. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> come on man anyhow i'm back so uh yes if you haven't seen a lot of movies i can understand liking they Clone tyrone and i and i don't mean that as an insult but do you, you do <laughs> well no what i mean is this is and this goes back to the cinematography again is i feel like this is a movie that you're supposed to watch on your phone <laughs> I think if you watch this on your phone on an airplane or during your commute or in the back of a car on a road trip, then, you know, it's actually kind of an enjoyable movie for that type of uh, viewing experience. You don't have to pay super close attention. Uh, it's uh, all in medium shots, so you don't have to like pay attention to the visuals at all. Uh, everything's explained in dialogue, so you don't have to do much work to uh, understand what's going on. And I think it's a good background movie.
0: You know, it's always tough when you know, like, a, like a good half hour before the end of the movie, what the very end is going to be. Yeah. And that's only because they gave away, they telegraphed everything. Um, also, another movie that it references, I think, and again, it just shows you that was what was clever once isn't necessarily clever a second time, was uh, it kind of references Cabin in the Woods.
1: Oh, it definitely does. Yes. Yeah. It absolutely does. And it's not... Yeah, there were a few other things that sort of i, I, I do not have them. They didn't well, come like to Putney mind. Swope, it reminded yeah, Putney me a Swope bit. definitely. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it—it—it it, it has, and and the social commentary is interesting up to a point. It didn't feel that original
0: yeah um you know it's funny because boots riley has this other series on i think it's on amazon and i started watching it and in the first episode i thought was incredible and he's kind of he's sort of like he's building on things that he was referencing and talking yeah. about and sorry to bother you but by the second episode i was already like eh, i don't know my wife and i have not gotten back to it
1: <laughs> okay interesting yeah. So anyhow, that's the clone Tyrone. Um uh, my recommendation to listeners is uh, yeah, you can watch it. John Ford he said to watch it, but he didn't say whether he liked it or not. So <laughs> if he didn't, he might have just been
0: testing us to see if we would just say we like something. But see, we won't. We will not just <laughs> say we like something just because it's record. but however you are free to recommend things anytime we will, you know.
1: And also, you know, again, I don't disparage anyone for the things they like. unless no. I mean, I guess there's limits. If you've never
0: seen a movie before and then is your first film, <laughs> They Clone Tyrone might be a great place to start. <laughs> no. Now we're just having some fun. Um, hey, but we have another film uh, that we want to talk about, right? Yes. And I don't think we have to spend too much time on it,
1: and we won't, is uh, that comedy movie, uh, No Hard Feelings yeah so what's the deal with this movie who, who made this when did it come out what's what's out the story here summer. you told me to watch this so i watched it and well it's i know not nothing your, about it it's
0: not your bag because i'm imagining because it's a comedy and you don't like this kind of straight out
1: comedy yeah there, there was uh, this was not on my radar if i had seen this come up i would have just thought yeah not watching it
0: yeah i mean it was jennifer lawrence in and in sort of a throwback sex comedy so i was kind of intrigued by that um and also you know she's still i think
1: in a list status, when she's picking projects. Well, she's recently had some kind of uh, transformation. I don't know if this film happened before or after that, but she fired her uh, representation about a year ago and got new representation and she basically said for my 20s I was doing all the movies everyone wanted me to do now I'm going to start doing the movies I want to do
0: yeah and you know what's funny is that she came on the scene so young yeah and she does look a little different now. I don't know if she's had any work done I, I really don't I don't think so I, I think that's just age but I think that's the thing that I was I was kind of wrestling with this as I watched I realized wow we have been watching her for over a decade but watching a kid and I guess yeah. now I look at myself and there's no going back to the <laughs> Yeah, I used to look in my early 20s, right. and I realized she's just different. She's an adult. She's she's a mom now. She yeah. has a different look, um, but you know what? She's such an incredible actress that when she takes on a role, uh, like in this No Hard Feelings, yeah, it just shows you, like, I, I guess you don't think of her necessarily in comedy, and I don't think she got to do anything very funny in that Don't Look Up or whatever movie. What
1: about uh, American Hustle? She's pretty funny in that. But
0: she's very funny in that, and- I thought she was hilarious in this movie because she was willing to take risks that I don't think a lot of actors will take risks today doing. And
1: yeah she went she went with this character uh all the way <laughs> and she
0: was so great because there's a scene now there's a if you've been you know if you're like i guess a horny kid or something and you found out that she's going to be fully naked in this movie <laughs> that might have got you into the theater and i don't know about my kids but for some reason my youngest had seen the trailer and he wanted to watch the movie and i was like really <laughs> and he did and he thought it was pretty funny uh and my oldest like everybody wanted to watch this thing so he did and I have to say that she was 100% right in the choice she made to be completely naked because it involves a very hilarious scene that wouldn't have been as funny if she wasn't 100% naked. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But I thought it was the funniest part of the whole movie.
1: And it's also not – it's a scene that is not designed to be sexy in any way. Right, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it was
0: just, there was some, it, it look, the movie, and this is the problem with today's movies and comedies, is that it, this movie would have been a lot different if it was from the 80s than it was today.
1: I kept thinking that all the way through. That was something I wanted to get your take on. <laughs> I is. will tell
0: you exactly what would have been different. But <laughs> But the ending, like, this is my oldest problem with these comedies. He finds every single comedy, the last, like, third of the movie the comedy disappears and it becomes more dramatic and almost every comedy he points this out now and it's what he hates about them he says like these movies start Wait, off who says this my oldest
1: oh 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 yeah
0: and it's like they they're just not funny anymore they have to get a little bit more you know like touchy-feely a little bit more yeah
1: serious
0: and stuff and it is true And i don't know if this is something that happened is due to those movies from um judd apatow or something but like right the last part of the films are just a little bit
1: more okay we've had all the laughs now we gotta and in this one it's sort of like well (laughs) you know there's (laughs) there's some lies and manipulation that go on and so when those things come out there's hurt feelings and stuff and and it's like the filmmakers don't want to be glib about the reality of the character's emotional state at that point. And especially in this movie, which is kind of a, you know, not an easy concept. I, I pitched it to my eldest and she said, that's the worst idea for a movie I've ever heard. Is it any good? And I was like, yeah, actually it's good. I think you're actually think your oldest would like it with some of her friends watching it. Oh, I think they would, too. It's, but just based on the concept, which is <laughs> which is a 32-year-old woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a 19-year-old kid, and his parents say he's too sheltered. We'll give you a car if you have sex with him. Well, what is it? even just a car. It's a Buick. It's a Buick. <laughs> we'll give you a Buick if you have sex with our son.
0: Yeah, because she kind of makes it clear. She's like, is this going to be like, I have to date him or I have to
1: date him? And no, they're like, yeah, they make you it have clear, to date him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then, of course, the kid is like, I don't, you know, there, there's all sorts of obstacles to them having sex. And so they end up becoming friends. And uh, it, it it does end up kind of, I, I thought this was a really good portrayal of a teenage man. You know, he's 19. uh not fully an adult yet uh still clinging to things from childhood dealing with emotional so he wasn't just a horny teenager that you would no if anything he was offended that she was coming on to she didn't he didn't like anything to do with that <laughs> yeah so i thought it was, it, he was actually a pretty realistic character that i uh, that i understood and uh he, it seemed like he was played realistically for what he would actually, how how somebody would actually act in that situation.
0: Yeah, this kid, his name is Andrew Barth Feldman. He's pretty new on the scene. And uh, he's actually, this is funny, he's from Long Island and he's from the same place that Bill from Queens grew up as a teenager. Mm. <laughs> um, but I thought he was a really good actor. I, yeah. I, I liked him. Um, and then Jennifer Lawrence and her friends, uh, played by Natalie Morales, this guy, Scott MacArthur, I've seen in a few things,
1: they were funny. I have to say, uh, I have a Natalie Morales uh, screen crush. I've watched like every TV show she's done. (laughs) Oh, yeah, but you didn't like her movie that she directed. Which movie?
0: Plan B. I didn't see Plan B. You did too. What that was the two B? girls that they that she thinks she's pregnant and she needs to get to Plan B but they live in the Dakotas and so they have to go to the one health clinic.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah,
0: Natalie Morales directed that.
1: Oh, well she's a good actress but uh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I think she
0: I think she shows promise. But anyways, I yeah, I really like Natalie Morales. She's great on Parks and Recreation yeah. and but I, I mean I
1: I, I like the movie and we laughed hardy through i guess two-thirds of it because the last part's not as funny it's charming i laughed but it, you know as i'm watching it i'm thinking man am i gonna get uh destroyed for liking this more than i liked they Clone tyrone because you know <laughs> this is a pretty formulaic uh <laughs> straightforward middle of the road white middle class comedy and i can answer some things uh
0: I got to answer some things. I can tell you though. Here's what makes it great. This is really bizarre, and this is something that that they could have learned from in they clone Tyrone. There are some really very ingenious little specific things. First of all, they know what lane they're supposed to be in, right? It's a comic. Yes. and it's like, a, yes. and it's like a you know, it's not supposed to be deep,
1: but it's deeper than it needed to be because it, I was yes. comparing it to like uh, Lover Boy with Patrick Dempsey. Well, yeah, right. Those movies. I like Lover Boy, so let's not go there. I um, do too, but but my point is, it's it's a little more shallow. Yeah,
0: I mean Lover Boy. is where he's like basically, in order to be able to go back and afford school to be with his girlfriend, he has to sleep with rich women. It's like genius. Yes, it's genius. <laughs> and then at the end, she's really appreciative of all the hard work that he put in. That movie's great Uh, Joe Micklin Silver by the way Uh, So there are scenes And I think you probably noticed it They they reference these horror movie shots Yes And like as Jennifer Lawrence is like approaching And they have this thing and it actually It's funny because it's actually Shot like there's like a weird sort of Stalker horror movie and it's so well done, and it actually plays a little bit into that song that comes in later. Yes, yes. Which is like one of
1: the great scenes in the movie where he plays that version of the song. In the That piano. is a fantastic scene. But again, that's a scene that had more depth than it needed to have. But do you think that because you can't make a movie like this like they would in the
0: 80s, you have to have more depth, otherwise you're going to get crucified?
1: I think so, but I also think it makes the movie less generic to have the characters be that specific to themselves. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. Well, the guy who directed it, Gene Stipnicki, Stupn- he he was a guy, um,
0: one of the producers of The Office for years, and he also uh, directed this movie, Good Boys, which is actually kind of funny. Okay, and also was a little bit more in depth than just like a dirty, you know, dirty kid of preteens being obnoxious. And this guy, uh, John Phillips, co-wrote it with him, and he did, like, he was also wrote stuff for The Office, and he wrote Dirty Grandpa and stuff. And the cinematographer was actually a good cinematographer who shot, like, in Bruges and The Last King of Scotland. And I actually thought for this type of comedy, which is just digital and you don't have to do very much, I thought it actually looked pretty good.
1: (laughs) You know what did not look good? What? Matthew Broderick.
0: Well, I think he was. I mean, that wig and everything, and he was supposed to look terrible. He was. It was oh, layered. <laughs> His name was. Yeah, he was really creepy. But he's supposed to be a creepy dad. dad it.
1: it was. It was a. Gr- it was a great performance. It was. <laughs> yeah, he was way creepy. <laughs> so I enjoyed this movie. I think I would recommend it. Oh, I recommend it. To sh- I absolutely recommend it. Uh, so... <laughs> well, you asked me... Wait,
0: wait. You asked me about the 80s and what would be different about it.
1: Yes. Yeah. I okay. want to hear your take on the okay. 80s. So, here we go. Mine yeah. was lover boy. <laughs> okay. If this movie had actually come out
0: in the 80s, a few things. The parents would have been going away for two weeks on a vacation when they would call in occasionally, right? right? And that she would be, like, hired to live there as, like, their maid or whatever, And he would have been 16, just turned, and they would have absolutely had sex. And then the rest of the stuff could happen, but they would have absolutely had sex in this film. Um, And then, of course, maybe there would be like a setup where um, she has to die or they think she's dead and that he's killed her after having sex, which was actually
1: the plot of a film from the early (laughs) 80s where that exact same thing happened. Well, I also think the humor would be different. The way that sex is talked about in the 80s versus now is very different. It it would be a lot sillier and goofier in the 80s.
0: Well, the guy would have been a total disaster, right? But he would have been obsessed with wanting to get laid.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And it would have been really focused on the boys and his
1: pals that would get into some scraps. Yep, and he has no obnoxious pals, which is great. But yeah, there would be obnoxious pals egging him on. and So yeah, it it was interesting to think about that. And then the other thing that I was thinking about during this movie is uh, what if the genders were reversed and it was a 19-year-old girl and a 32-year-old man and the parents were like, hey, have sex with our daughter, we'll give you a Buick. Well, that would have been a French film in the early 80s because those (laughs) kind of plots were rampant back then. But but I think this you know there is uh, this genderification that goes on here in movies, and I think that that's uh, that's just an interesting little bit of social commentary about how we see men as predators, and in this movie uh jennifer lawrence is the predator she's she's very predatory and that's kind of an interesting shift from the usual gender roles and so anyhow this got me thinking and there was a movie that came out this year uh that i didn't know much about but i knew it was a relationship between an older man and a younger woman and so i decided to watch it to see what would happen if the roles were reversed did you run the plot by your daughter first to see what her thoughts were I did not. Um, so, in this one, it's a 17 year old girl and a 34 year old man. So, there's even a wider gap, a more troubling age gap. It, more troubling, especially since she's under 18. Right. Right. So, uh, <laughs> and so this movie is called Palm Trees and Power Lines. It's very good, it's very creepy. It's very good, and it's very creepy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it it's a it, uh, it, if you find that setup disturbing, don't watch the movie because it starts there. It's a very very slow burn of building this relationship and sort of. Uh, I think a lesser movie would have had her home life be more of a disaster than it is. As it is, she just kind of has a absentee mother who's played by Gretchen Mull and right. so she's kind of just left to her own devices uh and this guy just starts starts flirting with her and she kind of likes him and so very slow burn building their relationship and uh it gets it gets creepier and seedier as it goes on like at one point she says oh let's go back to your place and he lives like in like an undecorated hotel room in a really seedy motel <laughs> And she's, like, kind of freaked out by it. And he's like, well, my lease ran out. I'm just here between places, right? And clearly this isn't true. Uh, So it gets seedier and creepier as it goes on. And he's got these secrets and always getting calls from work. And anyhow, I'm going to give it away because I think. Because you don't think I'm going to watch it? And
0: I don't deserve to watch it and find out what happens?
1: No, okay. (laughs) So I will say. Thanks a lot. One cool thing about this movie is there are a lot of very long medium shots. <laughs> but there's a couple of, there's one scene where the camera is locked down and it's probably a four minute shot. And it's so upsetting and so disturbing because it doesn't cut. And so there's just these two actors in the frame cr- creating an incredible amount of tension. And the fact that it's in real time and doesn't cut away really just puts you in this uncomfortable situation. And so the film does a lot of things like that that are very subtle, but very well done. And it's it's a small independent film, very few actors, uh, no set pieces or anything, and just a character piece. And it's really uh, engaging and disturbing. And great performances.
0: Have you ever seen the movie The Diary of a Teenage Girl? No. Uh, With Belle Polly and Alexander Starsgaard? Because that is also um, involves a teenager in the 70s who gets involved with her mom's boyfriend, who is way older. Um, And I've seen that. There's smooth talk. And there's smooth talk, which that is a little bit more, it's almost like a... um, it's like a take on uh, Little Red Riding Hood in a little bit kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it is a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's based on the Joyce Carol Oates.
0: Yeah, on the Joyce Carol Oates story, and yeah. it's got um, a great performance. Williams. Yeah, and of course, who just passed away at the beginning of the summer. Yeah. And uh, it features also, um, what's her face?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, her, yeah, Laura you know. Dern.
0: Oh, that's it, Laura Dern. Yeah, you know, what's her face? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great little movie. Um, so what's it? So rename this film again. What's this it's film called? Again? Palm trees and power lines.
0: Palm trees and power lines. And like, what possessed you to search this one out? Because you watched? I no hard feelings, and you wanted to see a juxtaposition.
1: I go through Metacritic, and I see you know here's a movie that got a really high review, and so I will read the opening paragraph, right uh, the the description paragraph, and so I had read this earlier this year. And so I just sort of had it in my mind that this movie existed. And after seeing No Hard Feelings, I thought, huh, I should check out a gender re- reversal on this. And it was not a comedy. Okay.
0: So, you know, there's a, there's an early 80s movie called... Uh Oh, beau pair or something and that's that's the comedy oh, version yes. of the creepy uh, stepdad and daughter so you can check that up.
1: <laughs> yeah so this movie definitely not the comedy version um if you find the subject matter upsetting please don't don't blame me uh but yeah i i, I do recommend this movie uh it's it's, yeah. It's what independent film should be doing. I think.
0: All right, I'm going to check that out. Um, and then of course, no hard feelings is very funny, and it is sweet. It's it is a sweet story yeah. ultimately. Um, and I think it's in a weird way. It's kind of realistic in that you know we're now not supposed to. Have this or that type of storyline in a movies because it might offend somebody, but I I I want to believe that there I don't know, but I want to believe, but I do believe that there are characters like Jennifer Lawrence's character out there.
1: Yes, and uh, I, they both I bought them both as characters because they were. Unique to themselves, and uh, not just stereotypes. I
0: think that Jennifer Lawrence's character doesn't think of it as like, "Oh, I am prostituting myself." It's more like, "I go on a lot of dates, one night stands with dudes that like I get nothing out of it." But
1: yeah, this this is a kid, but here uh, I can get a
0: Buick, yeah, and I can do something nice for the kid. And if he's not that bad looking, well, I, I won't mind having sex with him. And <laughs> exactly, totally yeah. like kind of thinks that he's, you know, he's like way too nerdy, but she doesn't think he's bad looking. <laughs> exactly yeah no she's it's a charming movie also, I think in the in the '80s version, there would have been a lot of like sexualizing Jennifer Lawrence as in like she is the epitome of every yes. young boy's dream. Yes, and that's not what
1: happens in here. No, it is, even though she dresses up like she's from an '80s comedy at times,
0: it's so hilarious. I mean, she, her performance is so strong, though. Like she's so confident. It is. that yeah. that transforms. I, the I role. had
1: forgotten how good she was. I know because she
0: hasn't made like she wasn't bad in Causeway. I just didn't think that was a very good movie, but she. Maybe that's why she's now going in and taking film roles that she wants to do.
1: Yeah, so I, I think we have good things to look forward to from her now that she's fired all her reps. <laughs> oh, and so one other thing on They Clone Tyrone is...
0: Oh, we're going back to, to rip that apart. Somewhere. John
1: Ford or anyone else who's listening, I'm I'm totally prepared for someone to say, you just didn't get it, and uh, explain to me why this movie is great. I'm open to that happening.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if we can be convinced that it was great, and I also don't think that anybody can say I didn't get it because I got it. I just didn't like what I got. <laughs> no, I, just, <laughs> I just got it already in a lot of other movies, I mean, I liked, I I, I agree with you. It wasn't that like, I I was a little bit like, okay, when's this going to be over? Because I I knew where it was going and it dragged a bit. And it's not very well
1: paced, but.
0: There's a chunk, the chunk when they, the three kind of like say, okay, we, like they're kind of on the mission to figure out what's happening. That till when they kind of figure out what's going on, that is the most interesting part of the movie for me
1: yeah and you know the other thing this sort of narrative technique of there being a mystery right so we know that there's something wrong and so for a lot of the movie what was pulling me through the movie was just wanting to know what was up and then uh, of course i already knew so
0: yeah i mean again it wasn't really any shocking surprise for me yeah i fault this title This title, which is really a callback to what you'll finally get at the end of the
1: movie, it almost gives away too much. Like, they should have come up with a different title. It does. Yeah, because as it is, you're just sitting through the first half of the movie going, where's the clone?
0: Yeah, and who's Tyrone? Because I haven't heard of this Tyrone yet. I haven't heard Tyrone.
1: Yeah, so. (laughs) (laughs) This is a movie that could have been better, I think, if we, you know, maybe you and I should have been involved. That's my biggest problem with it is- Is there were so many opportunities and things that could be done in the script and it did not take advantage of those resources to make it really stand out. It it just felt like it was maybe a couple drafts away from being really great. This
0: is the reason why it it was a debut on Netflix and it wasn't going to be found in any theaters because it just wasn't good enough so okay let's wrap it up yeah let's get the hell out of here let's get the hell out of here we think we've done it now listen john ford this is like you're the star of the show this this episode you probably didn't know you're like just putting on your little headphones and you're listening and you're like whoa i didn't think they'd be talking about me so much well we are and that's what we do on this program (laughs) if you the listener want us to talk about you get in touch with us
1: please (laughs) or if you want to come on the show you can come on and argue with us if you want that might be scary for you the listener out there
0: but certainly we are up to the challenge if you are you just send us a note at jimandteal at gmail.com and we will consider your offer to come and fight with us about this or that movie um, or just pleasantly chat about a film you know we'll see if we let you yeah. get imagine like i barely let teal get in an edgewise word <laughs> imagine what the poor listener comes on so Oh <laughs> all right. Um we'll tune next time, which, you know, I don't know what we're gonna do next time, but we'll do something.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we do have some horror movies coming up in a, a month and a half or so.
0: Yeah, you know, you wanna do two episodes on that. I don't know if maybe we're gonna have just two one. E- well, yeah, maybe
1: one episode. Probably. We're definitely gonna have a Halloween episode, so you know. Get ready. We've done them in the past, so we're going to be really reaching for the extremes this time. Yeah. And I
0: don't know if we'll talk about this or not when we do those, but just so you know, that Criterion seems to be focusing their horror early. And in September, they're doing a sort of back to school thing where they're doing high school horror. So watch out for those. That's a
1: great subgenre. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen
0: most of those movies, so I'm not that excited, but (laughs)
1: that's the subgenre. Still a great, yeah. Yep. All right. Okay, cool. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.